Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 11. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I passed them on to you. But I want you to realise that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonours his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonours her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions.
What are church gatherings all about? Different churches have different flavours, and that is part of the rich casserole of the kingdom, to some extent. What Paul makes clear in these chapters is that not all ingredients in the casserole are equally tasty. The flavour test is whether a particular habit creates a culture that honours the magnificent character of the Trinity. Does what we do when we gather show others what God is like and train them to live more like him? Each of us plays a part in this, just as one small piece of machinery in an aeroplane engine can have huge consequences for the whole flight Paul asserts that each individual church member's small choices can end up having major impacts on whether or not a community ends up conforming to the Christ. In Paul's day, how you dressed was one of those small things. Dress codes said a lot about how you lived your life. Pharisees kept their phylacteries broad and their fringes on their hair long as physical signs of their 24-7 devotion to Yahweh's word. Worshippers of Dionysus shaved their heads as signs of their ecstatic freedom to do as they like, whenever they like. Temple prostitutes of the Roman gods unveiled their hair as a sign that they would, well, you know. Paul wants attendees at his churches to see themselves not just as coming as they are to meet their God, but also as small parts in an engine that God is building for his glory. Now, these days, long hair and tattoos don't really show much about our way of life or which God we worship. But the idea that the way we act and speak and even dress at our gatherings affects the whole church is definitely worth considering. If we arrive late or early, it communicates something to others that affects the whole body. If we raise our hands in worship or check out to see what our phone notification was, then we're either pouring oil or water on the fire that the Spirit is igniting in the church. If we push others out of the way at the Lord's Supper or the coffee queue, or if we use time as an opportunity to reaffirm love for Jesus and his church, then that genuinely affects the health of the whole body and on and on. Everyone gets to play is a massive slogan in vineyard churches. It's one of the smartest summaries of Paul's understanding of the normal church life. So remember, next time you gather with church, be in small group or on a Sunday, you're like a footballer stepping onto a pitch, or like an engine part revving up to help the flight. God looks at every small choice you make and he will use it to determine the destiny of your church community. Here's a question for reflection. What small choices could you make to play your part in building up your church? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net. 